Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks 2020 season is upon us, and we are less than a week away from a matchup between the Atlanta Falcons to kick off the season. Seattle goes on the road in week one to face their former defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, who led the Falcons to a 7-9 season last year. Here to help us preview the matchup with the Falcons, talk about what's happening with their team in the offseason, is DW from the Falcoholic. Welcome to the show, man. Welcome back. It's It's been a long yeah. offseason, longer than usual without the preseason games, but we made it. Yes, uh, I cannot wait to see actual real live football for once. I know it's it's right around the corner. Just a couple days we'll be watching Thursday night football. And then we have this matchup with our Seahawks and Falcons, couple bird teams to start the season. How, how are you feeling kind of going into this week one? I know we haven't had preseason to watch and, and to really evaluate uh, our individual teams. But, you know, with Dan Quinn returning this year, with a lot of the main offensive pieces for the Falcons returning this year, what's your sense of the team through the offseason? It's interesting, you know, especially in the NFC South where there's been uh, some really interesting moves with, you know, the, the Panthers walking away from Cam Newton, the Bucks bringing in Tom Brady. Uh, right now, the Falcons look like arguably the most stable offense as far as bringing back the most guys and not, uh, you know, overhauling the, the, the key positions. Um, so the, the big question mark here is what will Dirk Cutter do in year two that will be better than what he did? Uh, in 2019, because 2019 felt like uh, a mix of great moments and abject disaster. So, you know, we, we believe in the players, uh, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, um, the addition of Todd Gurley, all of that feels right from a talent standpoint. But I think if you ask any fan in Atlanta what the biggest question mark is from the offense, it's Dirk Cutter. And similarly with the defense, the first half of last year when they started one and seven, you know, they were also a disaster, but then the back half of the season, they played uh, really well when Dan Quinn actually took a step back from coaching the defense and turned it over uh, to, you know, some of the guys uh, that were, you know, further down on the, the coaching staff. So uh, it, it really, this season feels like a referendum on Dan Quinn, um, the coaching staff, and in particular for the offense, Dirk Cutter. Well, that's one of the things I remember most from when we talked last season, because you were at the point last year to where we were wondering, is Dan Quinn going to be able to finish the season with the Falcons? Yep. And like you mentioned, he went on the run uh, to end the season, including a win over the San Francisco 49ers, who eventually went to the Super Bowl. So it was really two different halves of a season. So I, I think as a Falcons fan, you have to kind of put some of that hope uh, that what happened toward the latter half of the season was real. But I, I do still, it still sounds like to me that there's still some real concerns about different aspects to the team. Oh, definitely. And, you know, to your point, maybe most importantly, the person who put their faith in the second half of the season more than the first half was Arthur Blank. Right. <laughs> He's, he was the guy that bought into it the most. It doesn't matter what fans um, bought into. And and honestly, you know, even after the the strong finish to the year, most fans here I would say more than 50% wanted Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov, the entire coaching staff gone. Um, so even with the strong finish, I think there were a lot of people who were just ready uh, to see the, the team move on. And undoubtedly, this is a make-or-break season. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, if the Falcons don't get back to the playoffs, I can't see a scenario where that happens and uh, Dan Quinn is kept around. So, uh, you know, I, I felt pretty strongly or mixed strongly about that last year. 
but I, I do feel like this is this is the year, especially with Matt Ryan being you know 35, Julio Jones being uh, 32, 33. Uh, these are guys that are in the last few years of their time together. If the Falcons don't strike now, it's probably not going to happen. And I think that you know Arthur Blank sees it that way, and you know he's he's counting on Quinn and uh, <laughs> Dirk Cutter to turn it around the way that they did last year. Well, especially considering the division, I have to think that it's going to be an uphill battle for the Falcons because Mm -hmm. you do have the Saints that I I think may still be the favorite. It it seems to go back and forth whether the Saints are the favorite or the Bucks are the favorite. But you have two teams there with a quarterback by Tom Brady and Drew Brees. But I I guess, you know, one thing with the Falcons is you can say you guys got like probably the youngest quarterback apart from Carolina in the division. Right. <laughs> yeah, you've got two guys in their 40s. And, you know, if you ask Falcons fans and, you know, take it with a grain of salt uh, when it comes to the Saints, uh, you know, Drew Brees is, is not the same quarterback he was five years ago. And even his ability to throw downfield seems to be diminished somewhat. Yeah. And, and the Falcons have had some recent success uh, in, in stopping him and slowing down the passing game. So I do think that, you know, maybe the Saints are still the favorite. Uh, and, you know, the Bucks are a real wild card because this is really the first time Brady has, you know, he's been apart from Belichick and he didn't get a normal offseason to get adjusted to this new roster, to get adjusted to this new offense, to the new coaching staff. We're going to see what that means. Is it going to mean, you know, is he really going to step in and immediately continue to be the best quarterback? Will there be a learning curve, you know, a ramp up period for him? I think that is the big question with Tampa. And as you mentioned, I think Carolina, they're sort of in a semi-rebuild mode. Uh, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a good QB. But at this point, uh, it looks like they're almost ready to just start stacking up for good draft picks. You know, to to help stop the pass in the division, you brought in an interesting addition, at least from a Seahawks fan perspective. Chris Richard brought in to coach the defensive backs for the Falcons. Yeah. And so far... The and it's take it for what it's worth. We haven't seen any real games, no preseason games. The the word out of camp is that he's made a difference in that secondary. And you know the the Falcons' first round pick AJ Terrell is being expected to come in and start from day one. He's replacing Desmond Trufant, who, uh, despite some of the misgivings fans have with him, was a quality starting corner in this league. But yeah, that that secondary, uh, the early returns sound very promising. Again, this is something where. It will be one of the things I'll be watching in this first game against the Seahawks. You know, as I look at the starting members of the secondary, the the one curious name that jumps out to me is your free safety. And with Earl Thomas being out there and with Chris Richard having that prior relationship with Thomas, has there been any talk about Earl Thomas coming to the Falcons? Yeah, it was mentioned. And uh, Dan Quinn actually shot it down pretty quickly. Wow. Um, yeah, he and, you know, that's with his experience with uh, Earl Thomas. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, Ricardo Allen, who's the, the starter at free safety, he is highly respected uh, on the team. The coaching staff loves him. Uh, he is not, obviously, uh, Earl Thomas quality, uh, but he is a serviceable, uh, sometimes good uh, free safety. Uh, but more importantly, you know, he, he is a big leader in that secondary. And right now, they've for a secondary that's got a lot of young guys, you know, you've got A.J. Terrell, you've got Isaiah, Isaiah Oliver, uh, Kendall Sheffield, all corners that are in their first couple of years. Um, I think that veteran presence uh, is going to be a big deal, especially for Allen, who has you know, a lot of experience with his coaching staff now. He knows what they're looking for. 
Um, so even though I think a lot of fans would have loved to seen uh, Earl Thomas brought in uh, because of just his stature and, and being one of the best free safeties over the past decade, I think the team is actually really happy with what they have in Allen right now. Where do you see the biggest concerns right now on defense? I look at the defensive line and I see Grady Jarrett's name, and that's probably the name that scares me the most. But you brought in Dante Fowler on the <laughs> defensive line from the Rams last year. And you got some nice pieces on defense as well. We covered the back end a little bit. But where are your biggest concerns when it comes to the defensive side? Yeah, it, it's it's like little holes here and there. And, you know, you mentioned Grady Jarrett, and I like what they've done on the defensive line with with Fowler. I think Tat McKinley uh, can be much better than he has been. Is it really a great starting four? No. And I think, you know, there's some concerns about whether the depth of this defensive line can continue to establish pressure. It's not something they've been good at for the past several years outside of Jarrett. The linebacking core, Deion Jones is a phenomenal uh, inside linebacker. Past him, it, it really falls off a cliff. You know, we've got uh, Foyer Aluakun, who's, who's pretty good, you know, for a guy who's drafted in the sixth round. You know, Michael Walker, who's a rookie. So linebacker right now, you know, outside of Deion Jones, feels like a big question mark. <laughs> and then you get to the secondary. And, you know, you've got a rookie you're going to be starting, A.J. Terrell. Right. Um, Isaiah Oliver, Kendall Sheffield will probably be getting a lot of snaps. I like that they brought in Darquez Denard uh, to help stabilize that nickel corner position. But again, there's there are some question marks there. And even at safety uh, with Keanu Neal coming back from two straight years ended by severe injuries. You know, it's literally every level of the Falcons defense has question marks that could step up and, and have a good season. But they also, you know, it's like a high ceiling and a really low floor. So it's uh, this defense, I think the variance is, you know, bottom three in the league all the way to top, you know, top 15. Uh, and that's because of just these little spots all across the roster where there could be, uh, you know, big, big issues. You know, you brought up Terrell and being a first round draft pick. It's, you know, it's one thing if you have the preseason to at least evaluate right. him and say, hey, this guy looks like he can play at an NFL level. And I, I guess you do get some sense of the reports coming out of practice, but it's hard to know what's real hype and, and what's actual, uh, yep. you know, performance based hype. Uh, coming out of camp too. You know, if, if there's one thing that Terrell has going for him, it's the fact that in camp he gets to match up with Julio Jones. Right. Um, and, you know, there's very, if you practice against Julio Jones consistently, there are very few receivers in the league that are going to really blow past you <laughs> or uh, compare to that. So that does help. But, you know, a real NFL game, NFL speed is just a different matter. It's a different matter from practice. It's a different matter from the preseason, which these guys aren't even getting. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, especially for that position, uh, because it's less about just the receivers and even the, the, the quarterbacks, you know, knowing how to read the eyes, knowing when that quarterback is looking you off, uh, going up against, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league and Russell Wilson is going to be a really tough task for a rookie corner uh, who is arguably still trying to get his feet underneath him. Definitely going to be a matchup to watch, and we're going to look at some of the matchups on the offensive side of the ball coming up next. David J. Walker of the Falcoholic joining the show, previewing the matchup against the Falcons and the Seahawks coming up on Sunday. Uh, let's move over to the offensive side of the ball because uh, we've talked about Matt Ryan. We've talked about Julio. Really, when it comes to the Falcons, I mean, those are really the two players I feel like have been synonymous with the Falcons for such a long time now. 
they're going to go down as one of the best uh, QB wide receiver duos over the past, you know, 15, 20 years easily. Uh, the numbers they've put up have been <laughs> legendary at times. And, you know, Julio, I think, is a first ballot Hall of Fame type receiver. Uh, he's come in and, and sort of uh, he's he's been able to play every position on the field and dominate. And, and oftentimes, even with double, sometimes triple coverage, still get the ball. And, and Matt Ryan, I think, is, uh, you know, if you ask me, he's an underrated quarterback. For some reason, I think he draws the ire of a lot of <laughs> analysts uh, because he puts up a lot of stats and yet uh, doesn't have uh, the ring to show for it. I would argue that you know when he went to the Super Bowl, he went in with uh, one of the worst defenses historically that had ever gone into a Super Bowl. So you know he's a guy that I think the narrative around him would be far different if there was a ring on that finger. But the two of them are, you know, I think if you've got those two guys uh, on your offense, you stand a good chance of winning so long as your defense can hold up at least part of their end of the bargain, which has not historically been the case in Atlanta. Yeah, I feel like with that argument around Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, it's kind of that Bilichek Brady comparison. You know, if one didn't have the other, then who's going to have success? And and I think from the analysis perspective, they really lean toward, you know, Julio would be great no matter who is throwing him the ball. Right. And I think that's fair. In, but it is tough uh, to make that distinguishment because sure. I think if you go back and look at, uh, you know, go back 30, 40 years with the 49ers and you look at Joe Montana with, with Jerry Rice uh, and it's like, how do you, how do you separate those two? You know, the greatest receiver of all time and uh, you know, a four time Super Bowl winning quarterback is, right. uh, and, and really I, I think at that point you, you know, rather than trying to discount either player, you say they were both exceptional. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's the, the whole guessing game. It's you can go in circles. <laughs> um, but I'm glad to have had both these guys in at the same time. And, you know, it, I, I still feel like they have some time left to really pull something together. And, you know, the Falcons are trying to put more pieces around Ryan and, and the entire offense to make that happen. Yeah, you know, you go straight to the the Montana and Rice comparison, but maybe it's more accurate to go with, I don't know, Dan Marino and Mark Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> A couple other guys uh, that didn't have rings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is that is fair. Um, and, you know, it's it's crazy because having watched Marino play, I'm old enough to, to remember watching him play. You know, the guy was clearly an amazing quarterback. And uh, to discount his career at all because of the lack of a ring is um, is frustrating. I know it's frustrating for him. It's frustrating for Miami Dolphins fans who, you know, watched him uh, be you know just a stellar uh, leader of that team for so many years. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's a fair comparison. <laughs> uh, you know, I just have to give you a hard time, especially going into this matchup. I, I can't oh, just I, get away from at least taking a couple shots here and there. Oh no! I mean, <laughs> as a Falcons fan, we're used to taking shots. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's part of our it's part of our uh, lifeblood at this point. We expect to take shots as Atlanta. Well, one big addition to that offense this offseason, and you talked a little bit about Dirk Cutter at the beginning, and I'm I am curious with the addition of Todd Gurley. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons over the past years have been one of the most pass heavy teams in the NFL, mm -hmm. and now with the addition of Gurley, I, I do wonder if they're going to shift toward the run. I mean. Matt Ryan, I think he was one of the most sacked, if not the most sacked quarterback last season. So it, uh, I, I am curious if they're going to make any shifts going into this year offensively. Uh, we're curious, too, because <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, 
Dirk Cutter does not have a great history of uh, really establishing a run game. And that, honestly, that's not just in Atlanta. You know, if you go back and look at his time as head coach of the Bucks, they mm-hmm. never got much of a running game going. Uh, and, you know, people like to throw Jameis Winston under the bus. And certainly his 40 or 50 turnovers last year were a, a big, big problem. But when you pass, you know, 65, 70% of the time, it's, it's really setting up your offense to be predictable. Um, and it was true when he was at Atlanta the first time. You know, they had uh, Michael Turner uh, towards the back end of his career, and they just they never got a running game going. And we saw from, you know, the 2016 season when the Falcons had one of the most balanced and unpredictable offenses where they had uh, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman, you know, tearing it up on the ground. Uh, it, that was the most dangerous offense the Falcons have ever put on the field. So, yeah, yeah I, I hope that they're going to use Gurley properly. If you ask me to put money on it, I'm not going to give you more than a nickel. Were you upset at all that they didn't go after uh, a guy like Fournette uh, who ends up staying in the division and, or well, who ends up going to the Bucks within the division? Not really, yeah. <laughs> because uh, the, the the big fact that uh, I didn't think they would use him, <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it is the you know you're, you're probably getting the impression I'm not a big dirt cutter fan, sure. and you would be correct. I, I know um, a Bucks fan who, who's not a big fan of him either, so it's uh, <laughs> he, he's got a reputation. Uh, he does, and uh, you know I look at the running backs the Falcons have, and they don't have a ton of great depth behind Gurley. But honestly, I don't think those guys, no matter who it is, are going to see a ton of snaps anyways. Dirk Cutter just has this fascination with uh, you know, three and four wide receiver sets and, and passing excessively uh, to the point, like you mentioned earlier, of, of you know, exposing his quarterback uh, to the point where you know, Matt Ryan, for the first time since 2009, missed games last year uh, due to you know, just the sheer number of hits he was taking. Well, and part of that is due to the offensive line. And I think back to that 2016 year, and I, I remember the offensive line being pretty solid. But has yeah. that changed now just over these last couple of years? Um, they have a lot of good pieces and a lot of young pieces that they're hoping are going to take the step this year. And, and the key thing with 2016 was that unit played every single game together, all 16 games. It was the only unit in the entire NFL in 2016 where they didn't have someone have to rotate in on the offensive line. Um, And I think that makes a big difference this year. Alex Mack, uh, even though he's getting older, is still one of the best centers in the league. Jake Matthews is a solid, solid left tackle. Um, The problem last year was, you know, the guard they had drafted Chris Lindstrom was out for a good bit of the season. Um, He's back looking healthy. All of the early returns on him, you hear it consistently from all these people watching him. This guy's a future pro bowler. Caleb McGarry at right tackle, I think, is a big question mark. He had a rough rookie year. Uh, he was uh, a poor man's version of a turnstile at right tackle. Um, and then left guard was a huge issue as well. And, of course, with a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who is not known for scrambling, uh, when you have issues at both guard spots, that is just that is asking for trouble. Right. So. This year, Matt Hennessy, the rookie they drafted, uh, who many people thought was going to go in the second round as a future center, uh, he it looks like has won that position at left guard um, as a rookie. Uh, so it, it's still some question marks, hopeful question marks, where we, we believe Lindstrom, Hennessy will be better than what they had for the majority of last year. So knock on wood, this offensive line should be improved. How much is what remains to be seen. 
Well, the one spot we haven't talked about yet is at tight end. And of course, the Falcons traded for Hayden Hurst in the offseason, getting him from Baltimore because Austin Hooper left in free agency, went to the Browns. Do you feel like you've lost anything there between that swap? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a little bit frustrating because um, Matt Ryan and Austin Hooper had developed uh, quite the rapport with one another. Uh, they spent uh, several off seasons together and had, you know, last year was sort of the culmination of that Hooper was uh, if you guys pay attention to fantasy, he was killing it yeah. uh, in, in, in fantasy until he got injured. And honestly, he was, you know, the best tight end we'd had since, you know, Tony G had retired. I like what Hayden Hurst has to offer uh, from a potential standpoint, but I think tight end is one of those positions where there does need to be a, a high level of trust between the quarterback and uh, you know that tight end. And again, without a full training camp, without all of the benefits of you know the preseason, it, it's going to remain to be seen whether Hurst can step up and truly replace Hooper. I, I feel like that was a move that, in my opinion. You know, it, it it could be the Falcons were thinking, okay, he, he's got Julio, he's got Calvin Ridley, who's ready to, you know, really burst out in year three. Maybe tight end is not as important a position with those two guys sort of leading the offense from a, a passing standpoint. I'm I'm not so convinced. Matt Ryan has always been someone who's liked to go to his tight ends. So I feel like right now that move is a bit, a bit of a downgrade, not, not from Hayden Hurst being, you know, not talented, but just the fact that he doesn't have the same time and experience with Matt Ryan. So definitely one to pay attention to. I hope to be wrong, but I, I feel like uh, losing Hooper is going to hurt a little bit. Continuity, probably the biggest thing this offseason that everybody's looking at. And at least, I guess, with uh, from a game planning perspective between the Seahawks and the Falcons, these are two teams that are going to be familiar with each other. There hasn't been much in terms of changes you know, other than uh, additions at certain spots here and there. But I feel like scheme-wise, they're probably going to be fairly similar to what we've seen in past seasons going to, going into this matchup week one between the Seahawks and Falcons. What's the number one thing that you're kind of watching for to, to take away from this game? Uh, yeah, it's going to be the Falcons defense. Um, I feel like the offense has done enough that they should be a top 10 unit again. Uh, and they weren't that far away from that in the second half of last year, but it's the defense that will they continue the, the, the little bit of a run they put on uh, to end 2019 can they get to and, and bring down uh, Russell Wilson? Uh, and can that secondary, with all the question marks they have, like Keanu Neal with his health questions and the rookie and A.J. Terrell, uh, can they do enough to give the, the front half of the defense the time to get to the quarterback? So for me, it's all about the Falcons' defense and uh, how far they've come in, in a short period of time. The Falcons are one and a half point underdogs by my last check going into this week one matchup against the Seahawks. So what's your prediction for this week one game? You know, I really love the Seahawks and Falcons games. For whatever reason, the past six, seven years have given us some absolutely phenomenal games. You know, oftentimes really close nail biters uh, with both teams. Uh, you know, I think it, I'm not sure about the record, but it feels like it's an even split or, or close to it. I think this one's going to be close. And it's to me, it comes down to the two quarterbacks. In my opinion, Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Matt Ryan, I think, is underrated, and uh, <laughs> which I'm going to say until the day I die. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm going to give just a slight edge um, to the Seahawks here, simply because I think this is a young Falcons defense with a lot of questions. 
And I think Russell Wilson is someone that can take advantage of it. So I'm going to give the Seahawks a win by three. Yeah, you nailed it too on uh, the uh, feeling pretty even because since Russell Wilson came to the Seahawks, it is three and three uh, starting with that playoff game that the Falcons won in in that 2012 season. And gosh, I still think back to that game. And <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's what started my personal rivalry with the Falcons. <laughs> uh, and honestly, it was the Matt Ryan's first playoff win. So uh, it has a lot of value and meaning to uh, Falcons fans as well. Well, they will get to an opportunity to break that tie coming up on Sunday. DW, really want to thank you for coming on and helping preview the matchup on Sunday's game. I enjoyed it, Brandon. Thanks once again to DW for coming on the show and breaking down that matchup with the Falcons coming up here week one. If you're looking for more Seahawks news, hop on over to fieldgoals.com. John Gilbert has an article up there. Some latest news about Justin Britt had a workout with the Packers, so he may not be returning to the Seahawks as quickly as we may have thought. So uh, interesting to see there. Nick Ballore, the fullback, signed back onto the roster for the Seahawks. Also some moves as Lyndon Stevens was moved from the 53-man roster to the practice squad. As we said with our show with Mookie here this past week, 53-man roster not completely finalized. And we are seeing a lot of movement here just in these last few days. Follow along at fieldgoals.com. Subscribe to the show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. And if you're looking for more Seahawks talk, I was on the Falcoholic podcast. So if you look at the Falcoholic feed and want to hear me talking about the Seahawks going into this game, check out my interview with DW. I'll also be releasing on Tuesday our latest episode of the Seahawkers podcast. You can check that out, seahawkerspodcast.com. Lots of Seahawks talk. And until next time, Go Hawks!